Hello and welcome to another episode of Superwoo Radio, episode 42. And what's interesting about this is the topic that we are going to cover today because some may say, according to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that the number 42 is the answer to the universe. And today we're going to explore those concepts and a whole lot more. Now, I've been wanting to have this dialogue with this gentleman for a very long time. And uh, we met during a, um, uh, a webinar that uh, I was running through my online community. And Jim also uh, participated on the TGM online course. And we've just got this connection that we've known has always been there. It's one of those, oh, good to see you in this world, this lifetime. How's it but going? Haven't seen each other for a while. And it just feels good. And every time we chat, it's like two old mates sitting around having a good old yarn and, um, you know, working out the um, problems of the universe. And we just do that naturally. And it's always fun and it's always enlightening. And uh, I know that today is not going to be any different from that in fact, even better. So I'd like to now introduce to you, Jim Granger, mate. Welcome to Superwoo Radio. Oh, thank you, George. It's a delicious pleasure to be <laughs> here talking with you once again. Hi, folks. Good to have everyone of you seeing this. And I'm looking forward to having a deep dive together, looking down many rabbit holes, eh? Well, mate, I, I want to say that um, it's an absolute pleasure. And the topic that we've got the title of for today's talk is Homo Luminous. And that's, that's, a, big, that's a big topic, right? Isn't it? It's a yeah. big one. Yeah. And it's something that you and I both feel passionate about. It's a, it's, a, it's a descriptive title that is being used to explain really when you like if if you feel into the logos of the words and you go deep diving into the logos of the words, then all of a sudden there's like, it's like, it's like, wow, what, what are we, what are we actually experiencing here? Because there's this beautiful synergy happening with that, that descriptive title and our actual process and the process of humanity um, and the becoming of humanity. So uh, this is something I've been really wanting to explore with you. I, yeah, it's uh, really been the context, you know, the, the, the whole way in which I've been emerging from the healing, the integration work, learning how to be a transmuter of my realities, uh, my aspects. And uh, I see it as you've been saying that, you know, this is a, an unprecedented time on this planet, in this universe, of this cycle of fragmentation, yeah, of, of going into uh, the false light matrix curriculum and getting spread all out all over the universe in fragmentation and trauma, and and then bringing us, you know, bringing Humpty Dumpty back together again is one way to look at it. <laughs> We're doing that. And it's unprecedented in my experience. And I was, you know, when you were saying, about the new creator and it's unprecedented times when I was first getting to hear your work. I was going, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because that's what I've been 
exploring since oh, about 2003, it was when it first started coming in, that there was something new and unprecedented about embodying presence at that time, or embodying the soul or the heart soul essence. Uh, it wasn't about going out anymore. I'd done that, you know? Mm. I needed to come here. And I noticed, whoa, to come here as essence, as presence, I had to take care of everybody who had taken up uh, residency status in my body, all those different voices and aspects and memories and uncompleted uh, lifetime patterns. It was pretty crowded in here. There wasn't a lot of room <laughs> for me, you know, for the core of myself. So that's what started me after I had already been working with this embodiment principle back in 1982, when I went through a divorce and, and had a child, and, and all of a sudden I'm looking at, you know, I can't sustain a relationship. I, I couldn't. I, could, I couldn't find that way of really being intimate and clear and whole. I mean, and I thought I had a pretty good handle on things, but not in here, not in my cells, not in my organs, not in my beingness here. And that's when, um, through a book actually called Focusing, I found this process this guy developed that he realized people would do consciously or unconsciously in all therapy. And that's what got them well, was that they were able to come into the felt sense, as he called it, and have a conversation, have a dialogue with the subconscious, unconscious, these characters, these aspects. And I found that I could bring the orphans home. These were orphaned aspects, you know. They didn't know truth. They didn't know what reality was. They didn't know what unconditional love is. All uh, those trauma aspects are running our running the game right they're running the trauma game and that's all i knew there and that's what i knew i realized was the chatterbox cafe up here you know the uh, the monkey mind internal dialogue and what i realized is that internal dialogue was all those aspects vying to to come home somewhere and they didn't know there was no home here for them to come to so when i started learning how to bring those home, something very interesting happened. This dialogue quieted down because all those voices started integrating, started finding a home and a place they could rest and be creative in. And then not only did the dialogue disappear in that sense, but it was replaced with conscious intentional dialogue, you know, where I was starting to speak from inside here, not just up here from, as you say, ideologies or concepts or beliefs. I started to speak from my truth. And I called it my truth sense, not just the felt sense, yeah? It was where I realized truth and reality and unconditional nature. When I experienced that in my body, I got immediate, real-time, feedback of what truth feels like and the more and more i became familiar with that that was like my song my signature then it was much easier to discern when something some voice came up some experience that was not truth but was a belief or a distortion 
And it was like, that feels gummy. That's what I called it. This feels yummy. So I knew how to come to Yummyville, and I learned how to take the gummies and bring them into yummies. <laughs> so that became a pretty simple way to express that's how I can gauge uh, internal experience, whatever comes up, or in you know external, if I hear something, I read something. Like you do, you can feel into it, and you can read it. To whatever degree I can read that clearly, I get clear insights, I get clear guidance, or I don't. You know, or I, I go off the deep end for a little bit and I go, oh, well, that's what that's about. <laughs> Are you finding that you're having uh, like cycles of going into that um, deep, deep dive process into yourself? And, uh, and there's days where you just really working it and working it and working it, that deep inner alchemy. And then you come out and it's like you have a breather for a while and things are okay and there's a new sense, found sense of self. Um, and then it's not too long and then boom, going in again. Um, you experienced anything like that? Days, you know, when I was first learning how to do this and I had to start remembering what was the source of my trauma, especially when I started remembering uh, mind control programming and being in a whole other parallel timeline with that, uh, what I call the uh, you know, mind control realm, and another one was sort of the muggle gym. Um, <laughs> that happened more there. Now, because I think I've reached a certain stage of integration, I mean, this is 38 years I've devoted my life, my, pretty much my almost my all my adult life. It's pretty much um, like that. It goes in and out, but it moves pretty quietly or subtly, easily. I don't have to, uh, unless there's, you know, a big insight, like you're saying, something that really uh, is carrying a lot of, a lot of potency, a lot to unpack experientially. Uh, I can, I can feel myself having to go in and be much more quiet with that, because there's so much to feel, so much to listen, so much to open to. But I, I, one of the things that has been grace that I feel I've earned because I've learned how to listen. And like I said in, that, in the last, what was it, the, either it was the TGM update or the other, where I was saying, you know, I can feel the subtleties of what's coming in so I don't have to hit, be hit over the head by a two by four in order to get my attention. It's much, much softer and gentler in that way now than it used to be for sure yeah i, I noticed that too that when i'm actually listening um and i'm prepared to listen um mm. and then the dialogue that i'm having naturally is this beautiful natural dialogue that is in constant flux really with reality with life but mostly with my inner being and i'm finding that absolutely uh I'm going to say refreshing because even though there's times when I'm deep diving in some really deep work, because some of the energies I've got to deal with are really they're massive. They're on creational level types of uh, uh, obligations and responsibilities. And also uh, I would say karmic trauma that I have to process and um that that 
for me, when I choose to listen, all of a sudden, it's not as traumatic. It's not as, and it is smoother. Like you said, it is kind of like, I get to do this beautiful, smooth um, sense of being that dolphin in the water and uh-huh. going nice and beautiful and smooth through the water. And then it's like dolphins do, they'll group together and then they'll go deep and they go really deep and then they do all the inner work that they're doing down there and they start coming up again and then sometimes they'll go wee and they'll play, you know, and have a play for a while. Yeah. And it's really quite fascinating to see these these rhythms, the rhythm of a dolphin and the dolphin species which are very close to us in nature um, and how they behave and how they do that. Mm. I wonder, one thing that just comes up when you were saying that, um, that was one of my observations, uh, and it applies to the, the larger you know, transition that we're going through, is that in the earlier times, when I was first learning to do this, and because it was, took a lot more attention, a lot more energy to, you know, to break through the, the amnesia barriers and, and the, uh, this, uh, the soul decisions to say, you ain't going to know this one yet. No, you're not going to get to there. Um, you know, in, in a more duality or polarity-based interaction, change oftentimes can be quite traumatic and quite dramatic. You know, the, the idea that something has to break down and be destroyed before the new thing gives birth, like the rise of the phoenix image, yeah? And I think I was certainly conditioned, even in the spiritual teachings, you know, enlightenment and awakening were all these big, you know, transcendent, uh, overwhelming at times, disoriented, you know, experiences. And what I learned, uh, because it didn't happen like that when I went into a more of an embodiment thing, because of the, the and I, I realized, wait a second, you know, when you're doing integrative work from the heart, from the heart soul essence, heart doesn't generate trauma, and it doesn't really generate that much drama either. It's very gentle. It's healing. It's supposed, it's supposed to be non-traumatizing. Things don't have to break down or break through in a big, dramatic way, uh, because that's a stressor. On your body that's a stressor on the emotional body if you're having a lot of energy pouring through and you don't know how to either contain it or you don't know how to move with it and there's just too much armoring is the term that will and right work in the body and in the character does it go um hand in hand with uh the more resistance that we have internally so the more we're resisting embracing our process resisting embracing the true nature of our being and those parts of us that are so reluctant to hold on to that distorted way of being out of fear and uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. In, in that stage, in the early stages, when there was, uh, you would call it more resistance, there was definitely a lot more energy running the, the programming. Um, it, it had more of that kind of flavor. But again, when I reached a certain, you know, I call it the 51% club, when I show up, when I start showing up at least 51% as Big Jim, you know, as soul, that was a turning point because then I wasn't working my way up to get to match the energy here that was holding me down. 
I was now past that. And of course, it's been going on beyond that. I mean, it's, it's to get to 100% full, full embodiment. So the resistance I found was also something that um, diminished and became easier because I could enter in and listen. There was a wonderful, I was, I'm able to have a pretty unconditional space of acceptance of what is. Doesn't mean I like it, doesn't mean there are aspects that don't argue and have trouble, but the more I was embodied from the essence of who I am, that's unconditional awareness there, that's unconditional acceptance that says everything is allowed. There's no judgment there by definition. So there's always more room now in me so that when things came up, it wasn't this tiny little part of me butting up against, there was this big guy going, oh, come here. You know, like you say, give a big hug. And when that happened, then the transitions were more refreshing. You know, it was more by insight. And insight is a true sense function in me, you know, intuitive or insight. And therefore, I didn't need the big drama to grow. And, and I'm realizing that more and more of the transition here, for those of us who are consciously embracing what we're talking about, to wake up or to wake down, as Samuel Bonder put it, you know, to wake down into here. And this, I think this, this is the other unprecedented thing. This transition, this cycle transition, I think is the first one that I have any memory of that is going to be more gentle, easier, non-traumatizing. It's not that way yet in the macro world because there's not enough conscious creators, you know, interacting and, and, and uh, bringing forth that kind of world. But all of the transitions, particularly when I started taking your courses and I was, you know, expecting a lot of stuff from the false light characters, you know, from the, the serpent energy and from the, the TI and from the God of the Matrix. They were all delicious. They all just went, oh, here you, it was like, oh, it was more releasing than it was. And like almost a sense of relief from them too, isn't it? That we're achieving this. Now. That's it. Yeah. Because the ones that when we were doing that work, we're doing the closure work and all that, I realized that because of my role that I'm remembering as one of the architects of the false light, I was engaged with these beings anyway, helping to set up their very positions and responsibilities. <laughs> and that's what I, for me, it came up as Yahweh. I'm not Jewish or anything, but you know, whether it was Yahweh or Jehovah or Zeus or uh, Kali or whatever term of the God of Goddesses, that was just the way it showed up. And I think I remember sharing it. He just, it was this big relaxation relief, like, oh, there you are. And I'm going, what? <laughs> huh? What do you mean, there you are? It's like, ah. Oh. Because he was in my world, in, the, in my relationship, and I realized I had the voice, uh, you know, the ear of God, so to speak. I was an advisor to this one. No wonder. And as you were saying, we're in that transition. So this one was, was saying, I'm ready to move on, but... He doesn't, you know, he's got a lot of contractual responsibilities that have to be released. So to have me there in that role 
consciously engaging in this way as a transmuter and as an integrator, um, he was he was very very happy to see me, <laughs> so to speak, in that. And that's when I started realizing, oh, that's what I'm doing as I step into that authority and that remembering of my role as a, one of the architects of what I came here for, into this universe, literally. I am clearing the way so that when I, as I do emerge, there is no pushback. There isn't anyone saying, no, you can't do that, or we're gonna, you know, you know, uh, um, traumatize you or beat you up or whatever you make me do uh like which would happen in a mind control you know if you come out i got slammed over and over again that's how that's how they create the armor you know and that's playing out all over our world at the moment too isn't it that system yeah. that yeah. that structure I'm, I'm finding it absolutely fascinating to see what what's playing out in our world at the moment crazy that the whole trauma-based mind control and you know a lot of those techniques too will have been implemented on a multi-dimensional level on a cosmic scale for you know eras epochs and even you know eon so well, that is basic nature and curriculum of the false light matrix is trauma mm, <laughs> this is a really good segue wow. into that yeah you ready to dive into that yet or or we're kind of just sliding in there smoothly uh, yeah, I think we're sliding in there pretty smoothly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, oh, yeah, because there is one thing I'd like to uh, say in the context that, mm. in hindsight, you know, when I first started remembering that I went through this mind control work for the Illuminati and working with this, uh, this guy who, uh, Stuart Spurgo, um, who had been in the Montauk Project and all this, and I took, I was taking some classes with him for a couple of years. And I think I mentioned to you too that when I came into his uh, first workshop and after we got a chance to have our first private session, the first things he said to me was, I, I was not happy to see you, meaning me, because it triggered all these memories about what we had done because we had been twinned, as it's called, bonded together and did a lot of work together. And abused each other quite nicely as well. And one of the things he said to me was that when we would come out of ceremony, and I remember, I just remember certain fragments of this. I don't have a full-blown memory of this part of my life. But he used to say, you were like coated with Teflon. He said, you would, I would bounce out of the effects of ceremony very quickly. Whereas it would take him three or four days because it's very rough on the astral body, very rough on the physical body to bring those energies through. And I was like, what, what does that mean? I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know any context of why would I get through that that simply or easily. And then when I started remembering that I was involved with in what's called high ceremony, these were the uh, ceremonies that they did to manifest their agenda. It wasn't just the blood sacrifice rituals. It was to, uh, as the black magic side of it, uh, they brought in very powerful astral entities into these ceremonies, and I was used for that. Uh, that's what I would do. And again, I found that when I remembered, they kind of worked for me. I could, I could be in that realm, and I could bring them through, but I had something 
that I now realize what that is, that was able to sustain an integrity and a, a safety zone so that I, they couldn't harm me coming through. And, and also in, in creating these holographic inserts. And it's like, hmm, well, now that I'm more that's, aware. That's a big revelation though, Jim. That's, um, oh. that's quite a big insight. And uh, I can partially relate to that from the experiences that I've had as well. And I feel that, um, you know, when we do have these sorts of experiences and we do start a lot of inquiry into, you know, how is it that this is structured this way? And yeah, and it's, and it's like, uh, it's not so much of the why me question. It's more of a curiosity and intrigue and um, a line of inquiry into, I'm having this experience. I had this exchange with this being. Normally this being would be able to wipe any other entity out. Right. But here I am having this incredible dialogue or this, this, this exchange with this being. And the positioning of where I stand in relation to this being, and you know all of these little uh, machinations and idiosyncrasies in the whole experience of um, you know these interdimensional exchanges or adventures into other worlds and other dimensions, and all the tasks that we're doing behind the scenes. Because um, I uh, not only have an extensive experience myself with this realm, as you know but there's also many other people that I know who are also having all these types of experiences. And there's a huge group of people now who are entering into this line of inquiry and saying, Hey, you know, I had this exchange. I had this experience, you know, what does it mean? You know? And then we're, we're approaching this from our ego construct of the earthly ego personality for this lifetime. And then we relax into our multidimensional nature and it's a, um, uh, what I also find is that it's not a grab for title or fame or fortune or anything like this. It is uh, a genuine, authentic line of inquiry because we're trying to better understand ourselves. It's like we had this experience. Okay, so why did this entity feel, you know, not inclined to obliterate us? In fact, quite the opposite you know yeah. so some of them holding us in very high regard and very high esteem and um and you know and other such types of um exchanges and it's you start asking the questions like wow like this is what does what does this really mean um and that's a very similar path that i took when i finally began to realize um, my natural authority that i have in this world my natural yes. sense of um, uh, beingness of, hey, my energetic field or my, the essence of my being is actually in the building blocks of all these different layers of reality. Um, and how far does that go? And it's this really beautiful journey into not only myself, my relationship with reality and my presence in reality. Yeah. 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 I, um, when you said about this building blocks and I was going, you know, that's that natural authority that I realized I was bringing there because in a sense, you know, working with these astral entities and they're, you know, they're all proofed up and you know, been given a lot of energy and a lot of power to play. 
and they recognized me. They had to, like you said, when you went to that reptilian. They must have gotten, they had to see it, that I was, they kind of worked for me in that sense. I mean, that they were not hired, but that I had, I was one of the architects of it. I didn't know that at the time, of course, but that is where they would have to respect because they, they are not more powerful than the ones who set this thing up in the first place. They're part of the expression, but our soul essence and our creativity and our also natural authority to, to, to take that on um, is what's been coming through and what is now you know, creating this context that I'm sharing here that you're also experiencing that it, that's why it makes it so much easier and more gentle and more integrating and more transmutive is because we're we're at that core level of creation at that time you know we're saying here that's what we're intending now and it then has that same authority as when i was intending to help create the, the containment fields, as I call them, uh, of distortion. It's the, same, it's the same capacity. It's just that we're doing it in, in a more finite expression here and through our bodies, through this incarnation, yeah? I want to throw a curly one at you. Oh, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> How do you, let's say there's people who are listening to this now and they're like, oh, they've lost it. They're on this big power trip and they think, you know, they're delusional and they're having all these wild delusional fantasies about who and what they are. Um, how do you speak to that? Well, you know, number one, um, I really haven't had anyone challenge me in that way. I also don't broadcast this out. I know I don't have the same kind of platform you have. Like, you know, you're out there with this. I'm just coming into my emergence time. And usually when that happens now, in the past, I tried to play the convincing game. You know, I wanted them to see what I knew because their interpretation to me was so narrow. I, I just don't play there no more, homie. You know, let's, let's go out here a little bit. Not many like to do that. And now because, you know, because I have a deeper sense of who I am and I, that just relaxes that need to be right or to prove myself or convince anyone of this, um, it's, it's like I'm not triggered by that anymore. At least I, at, this, at this point talking with you, I'll have to see what happens when, when we get more feedback <laughs> from something like this. And I, I look at that and I go, yeah, like where are you, you know, they're gonna come off and saying, yeah, you're just trying to, you know, it's arrogant, you arrogant bastard kind of thing, so. <laughs> yeah, ignite yourself and all this sort of stuff. Um, no, so. it's at this point, I, I know my own nature enough that I can relax in that and I don't have the need as I used to, to convince, to be right, uh, to, to, to change somebody's mind. I'm trusting that 
if I'm really being honest and authentic and you know, I can really speak from my true sense, that will carry a certain quality to it, you know, a certain song, certain smell, certain feel. And they will feel that, whether they consciously get it or not. But the soul level is where the conversation is really coming from and going to. Yeah. And I'll see, I'll, you know, so far I haven't had to face that too, too, too deeply. Um, Holly, my partner, is the one that has to hear most of this. And, uh, you know, um, it, she keeps me a little bit more, um, not keeps me, but... It's a really it. interesting process we're in, too, though, when you start to consider, you know, um, that to have the knowledge of the big picture. Right. Uh, and not only that, but to have the knowledge of, of the big picture in the way that we do. Okay. And many others, like there's lots of people listening to this are in the same field of awareness, right? So it's not, you know. but along my journey, you know, it's, um, there's a very interesting topic because of uh, all the changes we're all going through at the moment. They're just so hugely profound. Um, and what we're tapping into and all this sort of stuff. And um, one thing is becoming clear is we're not interested in identity. You know? right. But, yeah, but the, the, the main point of focus, even, even though some of that bleeds through or some of that is presenting for consideration, because um, one thing I know for sure, time is going to show us exactly who's who and what's what. Yeah. 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 So the whole grab for identity for, for what I would call the authentics, mm. it's, that's not, that's not the, that's like way back in the, you know, but what's really coming through is responsibility and obligation. And that, yeah, that for me, well, for me, okay, I'm going to speak on, on, on my behalf, you know, for me, the main theme for me is responsibility and obligation. Uh, and also seeing it through from the intention that I, um, you know, giving my word from the beginning a long, long time ago as to when we were going to create these nested series of realities, these series of nested realities in this fractal process and what we were going to achieve by creating this and, 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 and in the gathering of all the different architects of all the different aspects and parts and themes and bits and pieces of these realities, right? Yeah. And, and coming together with all these different beings and sitting in that negotiation and formulating how we were going to create these realities and the fail-safe mechanism, right? That 100% proof fail-safe mechanism that we implemented from the very, very beginning was that right at the end of the process, we were all going to enter the process. No one was going to escape the process, even though there are some beings who are trying to not enter and mm -hmm. not take responsibility, right, for their, their, their part in the creative process. There are beings who are doing that. But for those of us who are awakening and becoming really aware of it and facing having to face ourselves having to yeah. face everything that we have seen done and been in the process and the universe right 
that is the fail safe mechanism because it is only through us facing our wounds going into our wounds moving through the pain it is on the other side of that process that we get access to our abilities and the knowledge our skill sets and everything that we need to do to complete our original yeah. commitment and our original agreement that is the fail safe and when you're in that process that is what differentiates the authentics from the wannabes well put boy does that feel right and good because that's the thing we're not trying to impress anyone or anything i just we just want to enter into our abilities like you're saying to be that creative one again but without all of the all of the um, song and dance of the false light that that we had to go through to get here be in our authentic nature why would i want to disrupt that or interfere with that with some kind of power grabs i mean like it just doesn't happen There's, well, we've just done that in the past you see yeah that's, we've, that's, done that. we've, we've done that in the past and that, and 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 we did this grab for power in the past and we right. were willing to look at our wounds and we knew that this was going to be part of the process see yeah. we knew from the beginning before we even entered we knew that there was going to come a time when we were going to resist ourselves that we were going to not there was going to be barriers preventing us from actually coming home to the true nature of our beings right. and these barriers were going to be those wounds and those wounds were going to be the out of those wounds spawn these distorted expressions and aspects of ourselves and until we are willing to just go straight in there face our wounds and embrace the pain and the wounds and those aspects that these entities, these expressions of ourselves that are spawned out of those wounds, out of that pain, you know, and be able to bring that part of us home. You know, that's, that's the real work. And yeah. um, I'm finding that the more I do that, then on the other side of that, of the, think of the wound as a portal and you enter into that domain and you go into that space and you navigate that terrain and uh you know it is just such a deep place to to go in and face yourself and be like you know the knight on the grail quest <laughs> and and face all these monsters and demons and the metaphor of that is just so beautiful because it's so real and uh and going into that space and now on the other side and we put all these fail safe mechanisms that the only way we're ever going to be granted access to the true nature of our being is when we actually have the courage to face ourselves and there is yeah. no other way. No, because it wouldn't work then. You'd be so the, the, uh, too drawn to that other way of expression. You know, um, because sorry, this also segues into you and the false light because you know, if you don't choose to face yourself, then the other choice is the bypass, the denial and the bypass, right? And, and that set up from the beginning, that is the, that is the mechanism that feeds into the false light. That is the false light is based on that premise, basically. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's sort of uh, one of the metaphors I like that came to me, you know, we had the metaphor of the, um, or the, uh, our type of Pandora's box, right? 
And if you open Pandora's box, then all the evil, which is our shackle, you know, it's our dark side, was going to be loosed upon the world. So no one wants to open it. No, no, no. They don't get that if you do that and face your shadow, face the demons, you know, invite your demons to lunch, as the Tibetans put it. Underneath all of that is the golden one. That's the portal through. And that's why it's always was such a brilliant setup that the only way you're really going to find your true nature and your true purpose is you're going to have to face everything that is not you that has been spawned out of you say out of the out of the trauma and stuff and that's exactly why most people don't go that's why it was hard for anyone to be in their body because there's so much pain in there but that's where i found my lost power my personal authentic nature was by going into the pain that's where it went that's where i gave it up to be the victim or the victimizer that's both these still a form of trauma and disempowerment because you're not acting out of our authentic heart essence. You're acting out of a role, right? Uh, out of the, one of the polarity sides. So I, uh, that's, that's why I realized I, <laughs> I was in serious arrested development at that time in my life because all of the aspects that never grew up and were also programmed not to started come, showing up. And I, you know, and it was time, obviously, because I would have the resources and the tools and the skills. And that's why it worked so well for me. I mean, the first time I did this process through focusing, I started realizing and, and integrating aspects of me that were, were juvenile, you know, they were childish. They just didn't know how to be in an adult context. So, yeah. You know, and, and there's another little story that is similar to what we're saying, though this, the way you said it is way, covers way more that um, a friend of ours, back when I lived back east, had a Doberman Pinscher, and the dog was neurotic. I mean, it was really not in a well way, uh, difficult to deal with, and, you know, volatile and all this. And they had little little children, so they were really concerned that the dog might bite, snap, you know, go after them. So they didn't take it to obedience school. They actually took it to attack school. And in that, the dog remembered that it is a predator, you know, that that's what its nature is from its authentic nature. It's a predator. And they said, as soon as the dog got that, chill down, calm down. He didn't have to prove anything because he was looking for that authentic self, you know, just to say, oh, so that's who I really am. Not wow. in the, you know, and that the dog's behavior changed totally. And that's, that's sort of what we're saying, you know, in a, in a grander way. Yeah, well put. So, yeah, let's go into the false light now <laughs> and false dark. <laughs> well, been skirting around it for a bit and uh, just, just sort of like dipping our toes in here and there. Yeah, walking so, around different sides of the pool and going, all right, when are we actually going to dive in? So this is exciting. Let's, uh, let's go deep diving. Okay. We'll go to the deep end. Yeah, because, uh, well, we've already been talking in a very deep and profound way. A lot of people, are, some people are like, crikey. 
<laughs> I thought they were already dove in <laughs> the deep end. <laughs> just the warm up. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I can I'll give you something that actually came up, and I'm just really glad that the timing of this uh, Super Bowl discussion happened today because there were some things that needed to happen beforehand that of my remembering. And one of the things as an example, uh, when I, what I was also alluding to another role that I played in, in the mind control world was apparently uh, creating what I call holographic inserts that were themes, you know, uh, ideas and belief systems and behaviors that were then inserted into the collective unconscious to steer and control the narrative like we see coming out here about, you know, the COVID and vaccines and the, the medical models and the economic models. These are all creations, you know, that, um, and that were uh, of the Illuminati world, the Kabbalah. And I, I mentioned to you that uh, in the last update that when I went to see an X-Men movie uh, and when Professor Xavier goes into Cerebrus, that big circular spherical kind of room where he can get into contact with everyone. Um, when I first saw that, just there was this chills, huge chills and intense emotional response like, oh my God, I know this place. And it was really like, whoa, not in the way that he used it, but I remember having a sense of that kind of a room that I was in. And in that room, one of my other talents, because you know, we're a creator being, was to create these containment fields, as I call them, um, and they were holographic kind of, I don't know what else to call it, realities that they then would, I would generate according to their agenda, not mine. You know, it was their agenda that I had, because I was in a trance state, I had to implement. But tell you the truth, I loved it nonetheless. You know, I was like a Superman in that world. I was like Clark Kent in this one. <laughs> I'm really glad you're being honest with that because, yeah, it gets like yeah. that. Well, with some of the I mean, um, missions that I've been on as well, um, right. some of the things that we are capable of doing in that state, especially some of them with the SSP, and um, and actually that even that is a drop in the ocean compared to when I experienced my natural organic galactic being um when i'm doing that level of work that is just poof, uh what well, there's nothing that nothing i can't like do basically yeah yeah and that was one of the biggest frustrations was i in that realm uh i was recognized i was honored i was uh in, in, embraced and, and, and encouraged to develop these things, even though that was for that agenda. Whereas when I came back into Muggle Land, all of that was prevented. Muggle Land, <laughs> love it. Muggle, yeah, I wasn't magical. So when I caught that, you know, I was looking at, you know, so then what are some examples? Because like we were talking, and there again is that if we have the authority that we have created those and we are responsible for our creations 
I can, if I can remember what I put in there, right? I can take it out. I can pull my permission out of it. I can take, I can discreate that so that there is no permission for that to run in whatever shape or form. And I'm not sure what scale, but I can give one that uh, just one that I did remember. And that one was the other day I ran into a ceiling. It was like a barrier in, in my own consciousness. And when I tracked that down, I got, whoa, there was a cap, a limit, like a governor on a go-kart engine we used to have. It only allows it to go so fast. There was a limit to how much presence we were allowed to bring in here so that it would not interfere with the game because it had to be played out. That was part of the agreement. So if anybody woke up too much, that starts to throw monkey wrenches into the game because, you know, our energy. Exactly. Are... Yeah. And I went, oh, damn, I helped put that in place. And then I had to live in it as we all have. You know, I, we have to live within our own <laughs> limitations, our own creation. And it was like, oh, now that took a couple of days to really feel through. That happened just a couple of days before today when that one came. So I've had, I don't know how many I created, but this one is one that revealed. And that was sweet when I, when I was able to just discreate that limit. Now, I, I don't know how universal that is, you know, macro that is, as I call it, versus my own, but I know it was a ceiling level that everyone agreed to do, however we came to that. And I just know I have my part in it as now that I'm aware of it. Yeah, I can, I can, I remove, I've removed that block in myself. And that's going to be kind of interesting to see how much can then start coming in to continue what we're talking about, you know, to go full bore out here, pedal to the metal from the heart. <laughs> that's, that's so much fun. <laughs> That's fun. Very nourishing. I, I, I really love um, that um, you're, you're able to share that such a deep insight because uh, some of the work that I've been doing lately too is in alignment. It's very similar type of work. And I'm talking about work on myself and work on, you know, we would call reality management. I call it reality management. Yeah, yeah. And I found that when I was addressing my wounds, and going deep into those aspects of me that, um, you know, the, my essence, my, the essence of my being is in the fabric of, of reality. And it has a theme attached to it. It has a set, set of responsibilities attached to it. And uh, when I was able to work with my wounds, I was able to then gain access to that stream of energy, that creational mm -hmm. force, that, that intention that I... Um, I as in my multidimensional nature beyond George is holding space for in this reality. And, uh, and so I'm kind of, uh, uh, I've played a role in being one of the architects of the matrix, for example, and with me addressing those wounds and me um, then being able to bring things back into balance. It's, it's like my energetic pattern in the fabric of the matrix is now dissolving. See, it's now 
it, it's yeah. it's it, yeah and and it's kind of like um all all the um dramas that are playing out for all of you who are listening to this every single one of you all the dramas that are playing out in this world are specifically designed to distract you from entering into your personal process of diving deep diving into your own wounds it is specifically specifically designed to do that and to get you to not remember who you are to not uh, address what needs addressing and then it prevents you from getting access to the energetic streams from within your being that you need to get access to because when we do this this is how we like um, Jim said decreate I use the word uncreate uh, so this is how we uncreate what we created and co-created together and it is how um, it's like what is because these are a series of nested realities so when you look at the false matrix reality uh, that is actually nested inside an organic matrix yep. reality yeah. and, and it's like what part of my being is in the organic and what part of my being is in the inorganic right and when we begin to actually address our wounds and get access to these energetic streams which gives us access to the fabric of the building blocks of reality then that is just dissolving that's dissolving and and it's an automatic byproduct the does the dissolving of the energy in the building blocks or the fabric of, of the essence of our beings that are, are making that up um, and propping it up and and holding holding the integrity of it that all starts to dissolve automatically and and the energy withdraws where we're drawing permission the energy withdraws it dissolves it's coming to an end and and the whole matrix construct here will start to fall apart and that's what we're seeing because it's already started happening yeah 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 well well described and that's why i'm saying it tends to be more gentle and not traumatizing because when that awareness is truly uh, experienced as you're saying of that we are generating this that very awareness right that realization i call it completing the cycle of experience you come back to the moment of creation when you started it but with all of the wisdom that we've gained from it that's that's the end point right there there's that that has to dissolve because that awakening is saying well it's like this if i was experiencing pain in my body and i looked around and i realized i was pinching myself what would you do george <laughs> <laughs> i would say pretty much 100 percent of the time if you know you're doing this you're just gonna go oh i don't need to do that anymore but to get to the point to know that you're the pincher and i doubt there's very few people who come to this point and go Oh, that's cool. Well, let's continue doing this. <laughs> let's create Wait, more that is That is gold. That is just so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what would you say, you know, what would you say to somebody and they came up to you and said, George, George, I'm in so much pain. Help me, help me. Would you, you go, stop pinching yourself. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm pinching myself. I'm not, oh. <laughs> this is like, I love that. 
That is gold. I mean, and, and you just snorted, by the way. That is gold. <laughs> because, because it's so true. It really is true. I mean, how many times was I doing that and not willing to admit that I'm actually pinching myself? Like, like you just said, it's a beautiful analogy because that is exactly what we're all doing here. All the time, really. And that's the sense that we can never give away our power as creative beings. It's impossible. But we sure are good at faking it or pretending that we aren't. And that's the whole point of the Matrix was, you know, if we're going to do this because... As you know, I mean, if we're going to do something that is so so much the opposite of who we really are, that we are this natural being, infinite creator being, and yada, 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 multidimensional, we're going to have to come up with some really fantastic, brilliant, genius, uh, beyond comprehension capacity, tools and techniques to make us forget, you know, what it takes to chunk down an infinite being into a small little space who doesn't remember who we are. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of horror and trauma and you know all the things that, that are that side of the matrix. Let's not kid ourselves. There's pain in beyond sometimes capacity to deal with or sorrow or grief or anger or whatever we call distorted. But damn, dudes, you know, we're really good at this stuff. And I, and one level of my remembering is, I guess that's one of the reasons I came. I, I have a sense that I was invited because I have this capacity to create containment fields of different kinds, both distorted and undistorted. And uh, that knowledge of that just, oh God, how do I put this? Knowing that I came in with that, that's when I really started that, that memory, you know, like coming into full circle to the moment of, oh, this is what I came here for. That's why it's not been a difficult unfolding, frustrating at times, mind you, because there was such a difference between what I had as a vision of Homo Luminous and the actuality of Muggle Jim just couldn't play there. You know, I knew I could do that stuff, but I didn't know how to do it from here. And there was no access, you know, to go back into that world. I mean, there was no purpose of going back into the, into the uh, false light agenda, black magic level. So, yeah, you know, Wow. Can I ask you a question now? Um, you know, the actual title, Homo Luminous, um, can we talk about the origins of that and where it, where it comes from? And what, what, what does it mean for you? And what was the original intention behind that descriptive title? Good question. I wish I could lay claim that I came up with it, but no. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, the first version was Homo Spiritus which I also borrowed from David Hawkins, who did the uh, calibration of consciousness through muscle testing. He called what was emerging or what he was feeling homo spiritus. And I went, well, that's a good one. I looked at a number of different names and at first that one, but after a while, when I heard the term homo luminous and I heard that that came from uh, a, a, 
Peruvian community that went to the mountains when the conquistadors first came to South America. And they didn't want to have anything to do with Catholicism and they knew what they're, what they're doing and they got out of Dodge, right? And they're the ones that use this term homo luminous, again, is representing uh, what we're talking about, at least their version of it. I never really looked into what their model was. I just felt it inside that said, yeah, that's, that feels more right now. And the vision, the vision of Homo Luminous was exactly that, was to replace the person, the muggle personality that's composed of, you know, of wounds, basically, of different natures, with soul essence, presence, that that's what, that's who takes up residency status here. Instead of it just being what I call visitation rights, you know, you can shift your state of consciousness relatively easy if you have a decent amount of knowledge or, you know, you know meditative techniques and stuff. But it then goes away because it wasn't embodied. It was an experience out or beyond body, but not here. And that just didn't work. You know, that just because that's not what I came in for. So when that came in, I had a plenty of times frustrating myself like crazy <laughs> coming up with, well, then what is homo luminous? Right. What does it mean to be embodied? And so a number of things. Number one, then the terms that people call clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsent, you know, all those other sensory capacities, the ability to see multidimensionally or in, and feel it or know it, that would be natural, you know, just intrinsic. I love the idea that with bringing in a timeless aspect of me, that the body then becomes immortal. I don't have to go through a rebirth process ever again. Once that's fully infused, that doesn't mean this body even is going to look the same and appear the same. There's also shape-shifting capacities. Because my sense is, I have all the codes of all my lifetimes, on all levels, in my being. And if I can, if I discover how this comes out in this form, then I also know that I could bring out any aspect of myself that I need to or would like to experience or create something brand new too, you know, well, you know because that's, that's the creative process. So immortality, uh, eternalness was, is definitely a part of it. Uh, again, the, the sense of whatever distortions are in the physical body or uh, illnesses, or, you know, all that would just fall away. They would just, you could just heal. And I love your image of being turned inside out. That's the, that this would be the outpicturing of heart soul essence, of presence, not personality, not even making the distinction that there's little Jim and big Jim, little George and big George. That's going to go away. Uh, having a subconscious conscious mind that fuses into just awareness so that you would, I would have as much awareness of my cellular consciousness and the microbiome and the heartbeat, you know, that I have that awareness and can interact with that as well. Um, that was part of the vision. Uh, teleportation. Who needs, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, who needs no stinking airplane, right? <laughs> I don't. Um, uh, you know, and I fully 
expect or am hoping that, you know, that is as now that we can emerge, you know, the permission is here. The timing is here. That's part of the walking my talk, you know, the living demonstration of all of that. And the ability to, in, in the sense of the communion too, with all life, like, like when I'm talking about these uh, awakening to things that I've created at the multidimensional level, I don't just decide on my own home as you know, it's a co-creative thing. So I'm always, I know now I've learned to check in with Sophia. You know, is this something you want? Now the, the soul of the earth, right? Mother Earth. And and Helios, the sun, and the prime creator, and whoever, oh, great dragon, you know, he's come as a part of this too. We're like I consult. I say, look, this is I get this impression, I got this intuition to to you know, like to put these uh, pillars of co-creation all around the planet and start sucking up and, uh, and um, eating up the loosh and transmuting, you know, that all that emotional energies. I didn't say, oh, I'm just going to impose that. No, I said, hey, what do you think about this? You like this idea? Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> so we all said, yes, it's time. Let's do that. You know, so it's, it's like that. And I love, I love because there was such a sense of isolation for me still is a fair amount. I had to get isolated a lot from the core of my being, but also, you know, I have not met, like you have, my galactic family. Um, <laughs> the only soul family of one being that I'm really clear about was my uh, mind control programmer. Um, I, I, he's from my soul family. Paul St. Clair was his name. St. Clair family, if you know from 13 yeah i've heard i've heard of that name yeah very interesting that is yeah, that uh, yeah. they're they're the sinclair gasoline with the green dinosaur <laughs> okay. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. so um yeah when i finally realized at first i didn't of course but the real healing one of the major healings for me when when you know going to the matrix going to the mind control was remembering that he was of my soul family and we made the agreement to play these parts. And that was, had to be, because if you want the best healing, you find somebody from your soul family. Oh yeah. Because they know that this was done out of an act of un total unconditional love, support, and he could grow and I could grow. And then when that was realized, it's like, there's, it's just like, a, I call it a clean burn, you know, there's no residue left of hurt or judgment or you know any of that woundedness it's just clear it took a lot to get to that point but with that memory you know with that remembering that finished any uh, any animosities any issues that were unresolved pretty much were just gone and that was a big turning point for me Wow. And really, when um, you're in that space, and you're participating in these sort of activities, um, was there that sense of, at the time, uh, that you were supposed to be doing that? Or do you feel like, oh, what have I got right. myself into? I suppose there was that moment as well, in that process? No? 
George, I was so alive in that world of playing at that level because that was not at the same level of abusiveness that I had to experience when I was getting programmed. That hurt a lot, you know, that was tough. But when I got a chance to play uh, in the high ceremony and bringing those entities through and being able to handle that energy and, and stay conscious and stay coherent with it and direct it like that, the energies moving through me, I was so alive. Way more alive than I could be in in Little Jim's world. And when I was doing those creations, holographic insert, again, the, it's hard for people to get, but, you know, it is a power trip at that level. It was a creation level. It wasn't from heart, soul, essence, because that's the different level. It was more from a consciousness, mind, thought form stuff, but it was still a creation a very potent, powerful creation. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I had no bones about that. There was never a point of going, you know, what the hell did I get myself into? It was only when it was time to realize I can no longer uh, participate. When I knew that was it, and I'm not going to play, you know, homie, don't do this no more. That's when I had to get my exit strategy out. Sure. So um, I would love to dive deeper into the the drama of all that, but I really want to bring it back to Homo Luminous. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of people with curiosities as to, you know, um, maybe maybe diving into the drama of it is another interview unto itself. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I really want to stay with Homo Luminous today. And, but it gives people a very good insight into where you're speaking from and the path that you've walked and the depth and the magnitude of your experiences which is freaking awesome you know mm. uh, so what i want to ask you is how does homo illuminus equate to what is happening to our humanity right now and what's the what's the correlation and how do how do we identify the concept of homo luminous within ourselves? Well, since it really is, to me, an evolutionary step from homo sapiens to homo luminous, in the natural order of things, that is the evolutionary pathway of the whole purpose of this. There are other pathways, you know, there's the ascension pathway and there's the transhumanism or cyborg pathway, right? There's the other two that I'm familiar with. And they are evolutionary pathways and they're valid. It's just, that's not for me, right? So the whole, what I see happening is if we didn't have this going on, people like you and me in this community and others who are, waking up, the agenda that is being played out, a la the exopolitical, cosmopolitical, you know, the, uh, the power players and, and the control and all this stuff, um, it would probably, they would probably get their agenda manifested because they're very capable beings to do that. And I see this, the homo luminous, as the counterbalance or as the uh, 
necessary expression that the natural timeline, the natural order that Sophia is going through here and Helios is going through, you know, that, that, that whole design that this, this is the time where this cycle is coming to an end, at least on this planet in this solar system and these galaxies, I see that the, the, the matrix is coming to an end. In fact, it already has. We're just doing the expression of it. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be the matrix being played out in other aspects of this universe. As you know, others are already looking at that and going, ooh, I like what I see coming out of this. Let's, let's try this. Yeah. But it won't be where it will be played out again. And it's not just the counterbalance. It's, that's our, as you said, responsibility. It's our, it's our service to embody and become, for those who want to use that term, homo luminous, so that we're walking on this planet and in other dimensions and on other planets, wherever we need to be, to uh, infuse, right? Infuse the quantum field, infuse the, the, the matrix with this song of the heart, soul essence, so that that becomes the reality here. That's so how another way of looking at it is maybe not using the term counterbalance, maybe it's the balance. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It is the balance. It's the integrated balance. It's the natural order coming back and, you know, growing through all of the experiences of the false matrix and transmuting that back into the natural along with the wisdom that comes. So it's, it's sort of like, that's why, you know, I, uh, I have a fair number of memories of being in part of the Lyrian civilization in the Vegas star system a long time ago. And um, in that realm, in that time, it was pre-trauma, pre-matrix, false line matrix, as far as I remember. So we had the experience of being in, experimenting with embodiment, you know, bringing into form an infinite being. And everything was like the golden age image, you know, the, uh, you know, everything was heaven, you know, that whole idea, that whole experience. And I call that an undifferentiated oneness. There was oneness, but it was sort of undifferentiated because it was unexperienced. It hadn't been brought into different expressions. And what I see happening here as the evolutionary outpouring is that we are recognizing that oneness, but I call it differentiated oneness, because now you have all of those experiences of that infinite oneness possibilities here that we're playing with, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the authentic mature version. You know, it's not the oceanic bliss of the childhood. You know, we're not going back into the womb, you know, like that. You know the old joke, right? We take nine months to get out of the, the womb and we spend the rest of our life trying to get back in. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going back into that. We're not ascending back into that. We're moving forward with all of that. And that's what I see the role of myself as homo luminous coming out is to live that walk that as my 
authentic day-to-day, moment-to-moment being. Not about even dealing with personality. I mean, at some point, all of that gets finished. And then we get to play here, create here, from that wholeness, from whatever forms we express, right? With the full awareness of the full spectrum of experience that we have, so that no matter where we go, at whatever dimensional level we go, we're familiar. You know, we're the wise ones that can say, I've been here, done that. I know this territory. So in being uh, facilitators or guides or just uh, examples, that's where we can truly walk our talk, you know. It isn't just an ideology. It's not just, it's not a belief. It's an actuality, moment to moment unfolding with full awareness. And damn, we've earned it. It's not given. That's a very, very important point that you're you're making there. Um, Because it's, it's like, you know, people want to know what does that feel like? What does it look like? What does it, how's it supposed to be, you know? And for a lot of people that haven't actually um, experienced it in a substantial way, because I feel everybody who's listening to this and watching this has had um, an experience of it to some degree, some more than others. But to have it into such a substantial way, and uh, what I'm finding is, is it's like it's just, it's like this slowly seamless shift in my state of being, mm-hmm. where I'm experiencing uh, this integrative process with all these different aspects of my being in a multi-dimensional way, whether it's you know an aspect from Orion or from Cirrus or from the Pleiades or, you know, Eridanus or whatever, whatever the system is that, that it's like, there's the main themes of my life here in this lifetime and the parts of me or the aspects of me that embody those themes that together are bringing in the main theme um, because I've got, uh, many lives in other realms as well. Mm-hmm. However, there's the most prominent lives uh, from the most applicable dimensions of time and space and expressions of my being that um, are streaming into this co-creation, yeah. this 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 incarnation, and they're the aspects of me that are the main point of focus for me. There's so many other incarnational constructs in other worlds and other dimensions, which are not the main point of focus for this lifetime. They have been for other lifetimes, but not for this one. For right. this one, there's specific ones, okay? And yeah. so, um, and they, that's giving me access to specific skills and abilities and capabilities and knowledge and wisdom. So, um, for me, I'm integrating with those aspects of my being, healing the wounds from those right. aspects of my being. And right. I'm finding now I'm actually gaining more of those skills and abilities that I require for what it is I'm here to do. Moving forward for not only who I've been and who I am now, but who I am becoming and the things that I am to do in this world. Um, and I'm finding that totally fascinating. It's a it's a beautiful integrative process 
um, the focus is not identity. The focus is the process. The mm. focus is um, remembering myself. So, you know, pulling yeah. myself back together from all my membered aspects, all my fragmented aspects. So by remembering me, I'm remembering me and becoming whole again. Uh, and I'm finding it an absolutely uh, beautiful. It's challenging. Yes. Yes. But it's beautiful. The, the pain I'm experiencing is um, uh, the most challenging pain in my life. But at the same time, it is... Uh, how can I use descriptives on this? It is the most nourishing. Yeah, good way. It's that hurts good. <laughs> and, <laughs> that is and it's not it's a shallow wild. electric good pain like, you know, come on, baby, make it hurt so good. It's not that not sort of pain. It is, oh, it goes so beyond it's like right in the core it goes right to the depths of your entire existence it's really hard to put into words it is and you know one of the uh metaphors that being in the raw and the body work field you know as a massage therapist and deep tissue and all that there's a distinction what we call the incoming pain which is trauma injury it's that electric sharp hurts. I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. And it doesn't make sense. And you're wondering what. Then when, you know, when you're working with someone who has chronic pain and the body is contracted, you know, there's what's called hypertonicity in the, or a trigger point. And if you get the right pressure and movement, if you go too deep, you're, the person's going to start feeling that's too much and I'm going to brace. But if you can find the edge, and it's what we call the, uh, the working pressure, where it hurts good because it's pain coming out. You know, that's a whole different kind of pain. And that is releasing, it's relieving, it also is nourishing. If there's consciousness or awareness that's going along with that physical work, which is what I've done in the past, where they start to re remember you know, they start to recall the storyline and they're starting to bring that, those orphans home and they're starting to integrate it so that you're not just symptomatically shifting, you're causally shifting. The person is waking up to how they generated this pain, you know, where it came from. Um, I'll, I'll give you a real quick example of that which is in this body-mind oneness. Again, it's part of the homo-luminous dialogue, conversation with the body. I had a teacher in Florida who, uh, when I was learning the massage, and he had gone to the University of Florida uh, as on a scholarship as a middle-distance runner, right? And he stopped running one day. He just didn't want to deal with the competition. And then many years later, he starts to run again. He just goes out training. He just felt like he wanted to get back into running. And he said about three quarters of the way through his run, his right, it's called the gastrocnemius muscle, the muscle and big calf muscle in the, bay, in, the, in the leg, would just seize up. It would just lock up on him and he could not move. It was so painful. And so he had to stop. And every time he go out, about three quarters of the way through the run, wow. And he was looked at it as physically, you know, trigger points, this, nothing, really, nothing. And so I said, Benny, 
kid on the table and I go in there and I say, okay, Benny, so tell me, what are you thinking about when you start feeling the muscle tighten up? And he said, oh, I'm, you know, doing this mental visualization, I'm coming down the back stretch and I'm, you know, the crowd is roaring and I'm winning, you know, I'm doing great. I'm going great. And that's when it goes clunk. Now in the body mind language, there's two muscles in your calf. One's the soleus, and that's what's called the go muscle. It's the primary plantar flexion. It's the one that helps you propel forward. The gastrocnemius, and it's a single jointed muscle. It starts in the leg and goes down in the foot, right? And then there's the gastrocnemius, which is a two-headed muscle. It actually starts uh, on your femur, okay, above the knee, goes into the Achilles tendon. And that's called the no-go muscle. And that's the one when you want to dig in your heels and you lock your knee. You lock up the gastro. You can't bend your knee. You can't move forward. So, so we discovered that there were two Bennies. One, Benny, that was saying, I want to be great again. I, I want to go out and run. I want to go into that. You know, ah, da, da. And then there was the other Benny going, no, no, no. A no-go Benny going, <laughs> I hate competition. I don't want to run for that purpose. And that was the one that was seizing up. No-go Benny. So I said, Benny, go out and when you run, just run for fun. Don't think about the race. Don't think about it. Just go and enjoy your run. And guess what didn't happen? No lockup. Oh. So then he started experimenting with it and he'd run and he'd start to think that way of the competitive and he could feel the muscle twitch. And we wanted to go. And as soon as he backed off, it would relax. So he learned that there there's no separation here you know body mind it's just it's it's one being but that's that's an example of how our awareness our belief systems show up in the language the body mind language you know like put your best foot forward right dig in your heels that kind of thing shoulder the burdens right yeah that kind of stuff and that's what i that i say that's part of the homo luminous is having that skill and the facility to have a conversation with your biceps if it's hurting or your back or your guts or whatever area your body is showing your story because that's the subconscious showing up consciously and when you know how to go into that and start the healing conversation uh, that's what happens everybody starts to come home relatively easily it takes a while, as you say, to learn to listen, because it's subtle. It's not, it's not going to hit you over the head with a two-by-four, no. The injury might, but the insight, thankfully, no. It's very gentle. And I want to make one other point, because you said a very important word, substantial. That was one of the things that really called to me when I started... Oh, when I got past the 51% club, as I call it, and I was more like 60% getting to 70% embodiment, I noticed that the quality of the luminousness, you know, the, the quality of the light that I was experiencing had this substantiality to it. Mm. It was very solid in a sense, not hard solid, but substantially present, palpable. And I remember when I was involved in the out-of-body light experience, like when I was in the uh, spiritual teachings of Ekankar or metaphysics, when I go into that stuff, I was like, 
it was insubstantial. It didn't last. It didn't, it was dynamic at times, but it didn't nourish. I'm really, really happy you're bringing this up because the um, ability for people to distinguish, discern, distinguish, no, let's transfer it all the way into no, the differentiation between the false light and the natural light, you know, the authentic light. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's a very early process. And then you start going into the different layers of what is real and authentic within yourself. Um, and really, uh, it is no longer a mystery. It is known. It is not only just known, we're not talking about just knowing it here. It is felt, it is embodied. Yes. Yeah. That's what homoluminous means. It's an embodied lightness of our being from that natural, authentic expression. Instead of it being filtered through or manifested through the, ma- the false matrix for that experience. And, and, you know, that's, and I really would like to say this part, you know, and you know, in the new cage, which I love it. I love that. <laughs> it's so happy. This, this whole idea of, you know, of, of ignoring and dispersing, not dispersing, disparaging. Don't go into the darkness, you know. If you focus on the negative, you'll expand. And, you know, the whole uh, positivity uh, mindset that just smacks them up the side of the head when the dark, you go over that far, and the shadow's right over there. And you'll come here and eat you for lunch, right? That... Uh, that approach, you know, is part of the matrix distraction because they know that if you do go and do what we're saying, if you embody and you invite your demons to lunch and you do the integration, and you do the bringing the orphans home, uh, your authority comes back to be able to decide the fate of your own life rather than having to run through soul scripts or somebody else's agenda or somebody else's reality creation that they want to suck you into. And that's the purpose of it, right? We set it up so that it would be that distracting. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. Cause it's like a filtering, it's a filtering system. Yeah. Yeah. It's designed for that. But that's the, the, as you say, that's what the controllers are running pretty scared because they're realizing you, they, they, they can't stop the inevitable. And to have that, as the uh, as the broad excuse <clears throat> the broadcasts that we are generating everywhere we go into the field of this substantial embodied heart space uh, essence is what is what this uh, transition to me is all about. That is going to dissolve the matrix because it's time. It's not it's a competition. Like we're, we're we're faced with a decision. That's, that's what I've discovered. We're all faced with a decision. And the decision that we actually need to make is, are you going to be a repeater tower for the false light? Or are you going to be a beacon of natural light? Yeah. And as you know, this, uh, you, me, and the folks who are listening or attracted to this or feel called to this are the ones going, yeah, baby, that's what we're here for. 
and with that, and that's something I wanted to run by you, if you, if you sense this, this is what I'm sensing, and this is what I've received from Sophia and Helios, is that, and I, and I, I bring that back to, the, to that experience that you shared a couple months ago of dismantling that technology between the sun and the earth that was distorting and keeping that natural energy flow between them, you know, that conversation. Boy, was that a shift. That felt, I felt that. And ever since then, what I started seeing emerging is that the timeline that up until that point was still had permission, I guess, the timeline of the Ascension Network, you know, being played out, the transhumanism played out. I, I don't get that that's gonna happen. It's not gonna happen to that extent. I don't think Sophia and Helios are any longer giving permission for that. They want their natural world self body as well. And that's what I'm trusting is just, you know, it's coming through. I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in and say I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree with those last statements that you made. That is so delicious insight. It's like, okay, we don't have to play out the original scenario that anymore. That's just not where we're going. And the more this comes out, you know, and more people play then that whether whatever they will call it the sooner or the easier this this transition will, will exactly manage. you remember that old saying we are the ones we've been waiting for yeah this is what it means yeah and to me homo luminous is the expression that is doing that that's just my way of putting it and uh yeah so like i say it's showtime right it's our time <laughs> i love the way you did that mate yeah. i need to um ask you also um just i feel it's really important because if if you know you and i are some of the folks and there's lots of other folks and you know there's probably folks what you know further down the path than we are in this um but for those of us who are further down the path than others uh just want to say hey um you know what is the distinction that you're experiencing between the false light and natural light. And it just gives people a heads up, gives people, and at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, it can only truly be experienced, embodied, lived, experienced by the individual. Um, it, this is not an intellectual concept, it's a state of being. And this energy emanates outwardly, right, from, deep down within the core, it emanates outwardly, even though that is positioned to, you know, I, I do this on purpose so I can actually, I'll go up just a little bit more on my chair, position it right, because I want to blow people's minds. I'm smashing people's belief systems and paradigms. And, and um, though when we look at that image and, and we allow it to emanate from the core of our being, then it's our natural light that's coming out. And that has a completely different feel. I mean, it fills every cell of your body. It, you know, it is, our atoms are spinning. You know, this is, this is all countless billions, trillions of vortexes of light going on. You know, it's just like, 
wow when you when you realize and then it translates to the atp spin in the mitochondria there's all this spinning going on and um so you know we don't want to spin them out too much jim but can you <laughs> share with me your take on that distinction and you started to allude to that but if we just go just a little bit elaborate a little bit more i uh, feel it's going to be helpful for uh, folks uh, yeah the false light tastes like baloney <laughs> <laughs> If you don't like bologna. Uh, I'll give you a little example. It did come from uh, Stuart Swerdlow. I loved it. He called it the truth sandwich. And so you have two pieces of bread that are the truth, delicious pieces of authentic artisan bread. Okay. And in there is a big slab of bologna. So you bite into that sandwich and it goes, mm, boy, that tastes good. And then it's like, oh, oh, this is awful. <laughs> That's the bologna. So, once I, once I got to the point where I knew, I just believed it wasn't concept, it was a living moment-to-moment -moment reality of a feeling of incredible well-being on one world. That's nourishing, it's substantial, it was what I called yummy, yes, delicious, you know, terms like that. And the sensations, I'll say things are like tooth bumps, you know, chills. Right, that's definitely one of my signposts of oh, that's a yummy bill, you know, is when the chills come through and that joy happens and that brightness opens up. Or there can be a sense of warmth, you know, the heart just mm, yummy. Relaxation, you just, oh, it, 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 there's no trying, there's no proving, there's, and in that moment, I'm enough and there's enough of me here. You know, there's not that sense of, oh, there's only, you know, 50% of me here, or there's only 70% of me. It's like in that moment, there's that fullness of being that is just a given. So there's no effort in. And of course, no effort is in the body. It's just, ah. It's a sense of grace, isn't it? And this isness. And, that, and why I also want to just bring in is that that's, you also want to connect that grace or that sense of, Yummy two body sensations. If it's a sense of your breath, you know, big breath, or just a sense of ease and a sense of not just hanging out, going good, or a sense of, uh, you know, and there's a sensation of, like I say, chills or expansiveness in the body. Like one of the signposts I have when I'm really cooking in big gym is my breath opens. You know, my rib cage, I mean, I can go. And there's this wonderful, delicious open, ah, you know, the in-breath and the out-breath. It's just delicious. It's very real. And it's a very real sensation. Like I say, it's very substantial. So those are the discerning aspects. And when I feel anything that's in um, the false light version, the mimicry, like I say, <laughs> either it tastes a little off or a lot off, or the light is sharp, it's piercing, uh, it can be flinty, okay? Or my body says, no. There's this whole being that just goes, no. I just don't move anywhere with it. It doesn't, I, I don't feel called to it. You know what I mean? That the energy is gummy. It just doesn't taste good. I don't want to feed myself that. 
or it can be very toxic. It can be, you know, it's like you can feel the toxicity, um, depending on, you know, what, what level of distortion I may be uh, engaging with. And usually, uh, grumpiness. <laughs> uh, if I'm in a grumpy mood, there's definitely, that's a signpost that I'm, I'm in the matrix because there's something in me going, nye, 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 nye. you know, I'm not feeling good. Da, 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 da. And I call that the wanting one because the wanting one just wants. It never gets. And people don't get that too often. If you have a desire, a longing, a wantingness, that's all you're going to get on that side of the coin because you're never going to find anything through wanting. So that's another discernment that helped me go, ah, there's a wanting one. That one's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that. Is that like an insatiable, um, you know, um, hunger? That yeah, like can't be satiated. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if you notice those those aspects, never give you what you want they just want so you're in that insatiable dynamic you're always in the longing da, 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 da. they never deliver they just deliver the distortion <laughs> so that's where you know when when people are willing to uh, go into it in the way we're describing that you actually let the body sensations be an integral intrinsic part of your field of awareness and that's what I've is with me all the time. It's just background part of my being now. It wasn't in the beginning, but it is now. And that's why I, that's how I orient myself to, and it's amazing as I'm speaking here, whatever, I'm aware of how my body is dancing or not with what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's that um, fluid sort of dynamic relationship that, is continuous in flux and flow um and it's that turning inside out that i talk about that fountain you know as you turn inside out it's it's the river of life flowing through and uh, i really can feel that you know what i like yeah what i like to that expansion as well you know it's just such a good feeling and uh, and i find that um, because i'm in that state more often more so than the old way the old version um and it's still improving I'm, oh, yeah. yeah still deep in the process i'm also finding my relationship with reality so that it, it speaks to me it tells me about my relationship with the reality even yes. when i'm you know going for a drive through the country in my car or through a city or a town or whatever the the the, the sensory perception has changed the senses change and yeah. I can walk by a tree and stop and all this, you know, and cause I, I, I heard it and I felt it. The, the yeah. feeling is the listening and the listening is the feeling. Yeah. And then yeah. I'll stop and I'll walk back and I'll just stand in the presence of that being, whether it's a tree or this morning walking back from the beach, you know, this bird did this pretty loud call in my ear. And I, and I stopped and I just stood there for a while and I couldn't see the bird in the tree, but I just relaxed because it wanted to get my attention, you know? And then we had this really interesting dialogue, you know, of don't be afraid, you know, show, show, don't be afraid to show the true nature of your being, you know? And it was interesting that happened this morning prior coming to this and we're talking about, you know, 
making these huge statements, which are not a big deal, but they are, that we are, you know, some of the architects of the matrix, you know, from way back, the original matrix, you know, the organic matrix. And, um, and so I'm not afraid to say that because people, and I've shared that with some of my friends, they go, oh, now I understand how you know what you know. Yeah. People are like, how does George know what he knows? And I've been reluctant to share all this information with people. But yeah, since you um, and I together identify that within each other and we're um, two beings that have actually worked together to help on the creational side of these realities a long, 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 long time ago, you know, and it, it makes sense. And I'm meeting a whole bunch of people. Like there's that many people in my life now, in my community and in my circle of life that I have both, you know, acquaintances and personal friends and the awakening of the amount of people that understand now their roles on a creational level. Wow. It is phenomenal. Yeah. So it's not just George alone nutter or Jim alone nutter. It's a huge community of people. It's people that I like yesterday, uh, two days ago, I crossed paths with a person that I hadn't met before. And all we did was speak on a creational level. Yeah. That was our dialogue. So wow. there's lots and lots and lots and lots of people awakening and this dialogue that you and I are having today is helping so many people. Yeah, there's going to be people that are going to re react to it in a very, you know, uncomfortable way. But I guarantee it's going to speak to so many more in a substantially comfortable way. Because now they're going to realize, hang on a minute, I'm not alone in this. Here's two people speaking about what I am going through, what I am living. And this is what is happening and this is the nature of reality if there is a system here that's clamping down so hard on the on on the to diminish humanity you know what's the alter ego of that well the alter ego of that is there must be an awakening happening here there must be an expansion and a growth in conscious awareness in the remembrance that is taking place by a portion of the human race otherwise they would not be doing what they're doing you know, it's, 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 it's like they are terrified. They have to clamp down because there's a growth and expansion phase happening in the human race. So they're, they're clamping it down, trying to stop it from happening. So it is perfectly normal that if you look at how realities get created, beings go in, <laughs> then the prime creators of realities go into, and at the very end, they must go in and atone and take responsibility and fulfill their roles and agreements from the very beginning. No biggie. I mean, this is what we do. This is the right. Of life, right? How realities get created, get experienced and achieve a conclusion. Yeah. And that, I think that's one of the uh, beauties of it and the healing of it, but it's, still taking me some time to grok, really get that the natural process that we're speaking of, and it's huge in all those ways, but at the core of it, it's just who we are and what you do when you are who you are, and it's just our natural expression. And so it has 
more of this softness, subtlety, nourishment, grace qualities, because the natural order is like that when it's operating in, in what's coming forth. And I, I think you mentioned this and maybe you're, and you're saying the same thing, that even the planet, you know, the trees, all of all the forms of life here, you know, this is also a distorted physical world. It's not the natural, real natural expression of, of Gaia, Sophia. You know, like you say, you know, this is a consumer-based world. We have to eat each other to stay alive. That's not the natural order. We won't need that kind of thing. Exactly. I'm not ready to give up the chocolate I make yet, but. <laughs> Mighty fine chocolates too, I must say. Wow. I can attest to that. Yeah, so, uh, but that's where, that's one of the other signs, I would say, in the Homo Luminous Pathway is, is that the natural emergence has these qualities that, you know, we want to see these big, dramatic, huge, profound experiences. And yes, those can be there, but the general moment-to-moment unfoldment, like, is 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 uh, nourishing, right? It's more nurturing and nourishing, and and transmutive and beautiful. And how there's no opposition here. There's no competition. We're not fighting the the cabal. We're not fighting uh, the COVID nineteen thing and all of that control stuff. There's a place where those are still playing that out. That's part of it. But like you said, you know, where we're working from is we're working from the building blocks of the creation itself. So we want to come forth with clear, grounded, authentic, integrated intentions for this to become our new reality. And there's just that substantial flow to it. So if folks are looking for, okay, what does it mean? You know, what is the quality of being homo luminous? A good chunk of that not all of it, as you say, the challenges and the wounds and the things that may come up um, at first can be daunting and they can be very challenging. Uh, but once, I say once I reach more what I call the 70 percentile range of this process for me. Quite reaching, reaching a precipice, isn't it? Yeah, but it was also what happened was the, the, the quality of my experience became more like what I'm saying. It's more gentle now. It's it's non-traumatic. I don't really, I haven't had huge challenges in that way, the same way, only because I I guess I've cleared it out sufficiently. I don't know. I'm still remembering how much that goes, but it's more it's more now. It's even now what's happening, and and you're saying the same thing. The the creation process, the transmutive and the and the new creation is what I'm focusing from more and more because that's where I'm operating. And yes, there's more that still has to finish out. I'm not walking the talk that I've envisioned 100%. Uh, But you know, I don't know about you, but it sure feels like imminent. There's an imminence in the timing that I'm feeling now. It's not like, oh, this is gonna take another five years. No, five years, no. I don't, I don't dare say it's going to be like, oh, tomorrow or three months, but a lot's going to happen between now and this fall time. Like when you're, 
Yeah, I wanted to kind of ask you about, you seem your launch point or launching off is your, it's the fall equinox that you're really coming out, as you said. Can you tell me more about what is it about the equinox that you're sensing is, it's real showtime for George, Big George comes in full time. Uh, no, it's not. It's not that. It is um, a far more substantial uh, implementation of my uh, reality management side of things. Oh, okay, full more. Yeah, that's what it's about. No, yeah, it's it's not about the um, the other that you're mentioning. No. Okay, I was wondering what what, you, what that was like for you. No, it's me stepping into uh, a, a role, a response, you know, that that responsibility. So. Yeah. You know, I've known how to do things for a very long time. And as you're aware with, you know, you um, participating in reality management course that I teach, I know how to do things and I just haven't been doing them in that way um, to that degree because it, it's, a, it's a matter of timing. Yeah? Yes. Yes. And so uh, this pending equinox in September is when I will start implementing things i'm not going to go into any detail here but i'll just say i'm going to step into more of a reality management um responsibility um around this time and you know and ongoing after that yeah well i'm and that has to do with my relationship with sophia with mother earth with gaia all the different aspects of her and um my relationship with the you know, galactic being and the universal mother. And uh, it's um, in, in my relationship with her, this is around the time that I feel I will begin um, mm -hmm. that level of my work. Um, and, you know, it's happy to say it, happy to share it, um, you know, as in notifying people, letting the matrix rulers know, um, you know, it's, it's all good because um, we are in the boardroom with the generals now. We're not fighting it out with the street gangs anymore because we've grown up right. and we've matured and it's all about transparency and honesty. Mm. Um, and, you know, any of the Matrix rulers um, understand the ones who, you know, have taken control of the Matrix and are trying to run things in different directions, whatever their interests are, wherever they're at with their state of awareness is... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, hmm, I'm respecting them by not ducking and weaving and hiding, by being upfront, honest, yeah. and, uh, and open and transparent with my intentions. Um, and it's like, yep, I'm going to be doing this around this time. And uh, so they'll be doing their best to implement countermeasures, you know. Well, that's Whatever it is I'm going to be doing. And it's not just me. Other people feel the timing is similar yep. for them. That's what I'm saying. There's an imminency. Something's imminent in my own stepping out, stepping forward in that sense, too. Uh, I don't quite know what or where, how, when yet, but it's I can feel it. I don't that's know the I'm detail of what I'm going to be doing and what it's going to look like. And what the outcomes are going to be, I don't know any of that at this stage. Sometimes it happens right in the moment. It's like, you know, there's times when I've run webinars where, and I and, and I openly say to people, I didn't know what I was going to talk about until you know a minute before we went on. Right. 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 And that's when it 
appears. So I'm just in this whole trust. It's like, you know, because you know, I was getting asked, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Hasn't hasn't arrived yet, you know? And it's not until I'm sitting in this chair and sometimes actually there's been about two webinars where it didn't show itself till after I began to speak. Yeah, you had to step into the river and then it started opening for you. <laughs> that, exactly. So, you know, it's it's kind of like we we get into these these this space where it's this flow, this unfoldment. There's also this trust. And so I'm right. trusting. It's like me as George, the incarnation, I am in love and trust with my inner being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, the, the, the aspect of me that is beyond this world and made the decision to come to this world, you know? So, uh, that's the part of me that I call the real composer, conductor yeah. and orchestrator of the life that I'm having. And, and yeah, I get to make decisions. Yeah, the decisions I was always going to make, I get to live and exercise free will. And yes, I don't have free will. And yes, I do have free will. And it's a delicious paradox. Both are valid. Both are real. Both are happening at the same time. Control freaks can't handle the notion that we don't have free will they go off flying off on all these crazy tangents and uh it's actually both both states are actually true real and happening simultaneously at the same time yes we have free will and no we don't have free will and it's this awesome dance and paradox Uh and that's what i love about life and when you embrace the two and live the two then all of a sudden whooshka you know, you go back home to balance. Yeah. Right? And that's when you start to really turn inside out. And it's the surrendering process and stepping up and taking responsibility and making decisions and participate, entering into a participatory process of creation and co-creation. And so for me, I get to um, now enter into a state of, I know what's coming. I can feel it. The reverberations are coming down the timeline. It is just around that October surprise time. And I feel like me and other people are going to step into that space of reality management, which will help to catalyze, you know, further processes in this reality. Yeah. And, and now we're entering into this beautiful participatory process on a level of reality management. And we have the natural authority to do it. We're in dialogue with the planetary being. We're in dialogue with the solar being, with the galactic being, with the universal being. We're not operating from a crazy, weird ideological system. We're actually operating from natural relationship. Yes. Okay. And so we know what it. needs. Inherently, we know what needs doing. Yeah, it's obvious when you, you, you live from what you're speaking and what we're speaking. And that's another quality, and you hit on it wonderfully. Of what I'm calling Homo Luminous is that really total, I would have to say, absolute trust in the intrinsic unfoldment of our being does not have to be preconceived. It does not have to be planned for, figured out, um, because we're trusting that which is well and not distorted. You know, the reason people we've I've had to as well try to control things is because in the in the matrix you get slammed for being truthful 
Okay, you know, you get hurt for being your real self. You're 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 always told, oh, that's just your imagination, or you know, that, don't say that. That's what you get hit for, because you you get this, you get the imprint that if I trust the mystery, if I trust my nature, I'm going to get hurt, and that's true. That's exactly what does happen. That's the per one of the purposes, right, of the matrix, is to do what it takes to diminish your natural state and to start not trusting that because it's, it's dangerous. But with what you're speaking and what I'm speaking with, another factor of homo luminous is because from the heart's soul essence, the integrated whole being, the truth doesn't shit on you. It just doesn't do that. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't diminish me. It doesn't do anything like the matrix is set up to do. So to be able to trust the mystery of my life, it's just the life flowing through, that's another delicious substantiality uh, experience is, God, how relaxing is that, right? That it's going to work. It's going to work out in whatever way. And as long as I'm just participating in the ways that we're speaking of, um, every moment has that signature to one degree or another. It's not always, you know, this wonderful, but there is this... I can really trust the mystery and I can dance and, and I can enjoy and love the mystery of the unknown, of the unprecedented, because that's, that's where the creative, you know, uh, juiciness is. Yeah? That's where it's tasting the, uh, the unknown, becoming known in an unprecedented way. Not the same, you know, different day, same old shit. You know, not the repetition of pattern that's part of scripting and part of the non-free will part. But to be in here and, like you're saying, interacting and participating and communing and creating as we go, really having permission to do that, that, you know, as one person, well, they used to say, you know, we're laying the tracks down as we go. There's no path that we're following. It's not predetermined. It's not a teaching or a, a, a tradition. It has none of that. It's not a dogma. None of that, it's not a belief. There are no beliefs in this. How freeing is that? Well, not to writing. have to yeah. by something I've set my mind to or believe in and say that's the way it's got to be. And when that doesn't happen, you know, I'm upset. God, to be free of predetermined scripts, which is our programming, you know, of all levels, and to be able to dance in that flow and just let it show up. I, I, I love that part of it. Yes, please. More of this, please, as you say, you know? Oh, yes, and please. More of that, please. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When, when something good happens in our lives and we experience that beautiful zone and that flow and that toroidal field, you know? Because, yeah, a lot of people talking about the toroidal field, are, you know, right. a lot of people getting into that. Um, yeah, but I'm just, I'm experiencing another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that creates the gyroscope effect. So not only is there a vertical toroidal field, there's a horizontal one, and the one that comes out of the heart is what creates the stability. Oh, well, yeah, I've never... That's cool. <laughs> and that's a dynamic stability. It's not a fixed, but it's more reliable and substantial and absolute yeah. in term, yeah. not in the fixed, hard universal law absolutes, 
but in the dynamic flow of our being, I mean, that's another uh, way of expressing what we've been sharing all along. What does it mean to say, yeah, what is homo luminous? What does that mean? What does that look like, feel like, taste like? Mm -hmm. This is even better than my chocolate, George. This is getting good. (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah, it feels like the energy is winding up. I just want to say that um, in the uh, closing statements, um, when you get the opportunity to stand in front of the human race and broadcast a message to all of humanity, yeah, right now, Mm -hmm. what is it you would like to tell the human race? Uh, I have no words for that right now. Well, let's segue into something else. How can people learn more about your work and what it is you do and maybe get some chocolates? (laughs) Get some chocolates. (laughs) Well, I've... I've been in such a uh, on such the journey. I have not really set myself up in the. I used to have more of a presence there, but to do what I needed to do first, so that I could really walk the talk that we're talking of here, to be that home, to be that demonstration. It definitely, I'm in that stage of emerging. Otherwise, this talk would never have happened. They can contact me, you know, through my email, and that's the only thing I have that I'll put out. I mean, for those that are in the um, the community, you know, the, the the forum is one way that people are starting to I'm starting to interact more with this pillar of co-creation project. So the, my my email is bodytranscendent d e n t at gmail.com. If folks would like to engage with uh, sessions because i do sessions i can do the, this kind of work uh to help people embody to get to to get to know that their own uh their own languaging of the felt sense and the homoluminosity so that is one way and uh, I'll, I'll do that but what i'm really uh as it's still kind of aspiring but it's the direction i'm heading into is to walk on this planet in as full measure as I am and to interact and participate like you're doing with the trees, like I've done that too, but not quite as much yet. But my image is being in that flow and some of that will be in front of people. Some of that will be uh, on this planet. Some of it will be off planet. Some of it's all over in the other dimensions. I'm just open to... uh, being a, a, a walking, talking embodiment of Homo Luminous. And let that just emerge in whatever form, because to me, it's for all life here, not just humans, you know? So I'm not quite in that full mode yet, but that's the direction that is emerging. I'm definitely coming out more in that way. So that's probably the easiest. 
and as things progress, um, I'll be knocking on your door one day and saying, hey, George, hey, mate, let's go for a walk on the beach. And you go, how'd you get here? Well, I just, um, I just popped in to see what condition your condition is in. <laughs> I love to be able to live like that. Teleport, yep. Why not? Oh, I've, I really look forward to the day when we can do that. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah just, I've and I'll give you a choice for Star Trek measure or you want the Cheshire Cat measure. You know, there are different ways of showing up and disappearing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll come with you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, um, in having said that, what is your message to humanity? Now, you're... Uh, you're standing in front of a microphone and, uh, and you have the opportunity to speak to the entire human race. What is the message from the being that is Jim Granger and beyond <laughs> and his message to humanity? Uh, one part of the message is they lie to you. Humpty Dumpty can be put back together again that we can come out of all of our, all of the journey of pain and forgetting, it is now the time for those who are ready to bring ourselves back home to our heart and soul essence and walk our natural being right into true, full out embodiment our heart soul essence as conscious totalities unto ourselves, infinite beings, right here and trusting our nature and just let's go have fun. Let's play. You know, let's let the joy through. Let our hearts shine. And I'm looking forward to just finding a lot of inside out people. I love that. I love that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new t-shirt line. I'm an inside out person. You know? Okay. I'm an inside out person. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. Maybe that's the name of your website. I'm an inside out person. Or just inside yeah, out. Yeah. Inside out. Might be. I, I'm not real drawn to doing too much on on the in you know in front of the computer. And I want yeah. I want to live it and walk it and play with the inside out folks <laughs> and yeah. just create our new world and our new communities and and uh, show folks that what's possible. Well, you're doing no. that, and oh, yeah. you know, this is our reality now. Oh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh, brother. Thank you so much for inviting me to dance and play with you and everyone else out there today. Yeah, this is good. Yummy. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Jim, and an honor to uh, spend this time with you, sharing your great wisdom and entering into you know, this beautiful exchange of dialogue together. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate Holly. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much because you've given me 
and everybody who's listening and watching great valuable insights um, and so now we are in a better state of awareness to better navigate our yeah. place in this world so thank you yeah and i want to you know really honor and thank you for being the space that allows this platform you know for someone like me and others to come out that that you were willing you know to break ground and do all the heavy lifting because you have more than anybody else i know and i know it's it's a lot to do and i know why you're doing it and it's you know the payoff is way more than the price anymore of being able to emerge and come into being who you are so yeah your, your brother in the heart brother in the stars and i uh look forward to seeing what we're gonna what we're gonna create this weekend eh yeah it's gonna yeah. be uh yeah we got we got a big weekend coming up so i'm looking forward to the to the webinar as well <laughs> we're, we're recording this on my friday the webinar is on Sunday and uh, the webinar coming up is called um, Navigating the Madness. And it's going yes, to be... Yes, which is what we just did here today. It's a preview, there's a possibility. This is a preview, there's a bit of a lead up to it and we're going to deep dive into that subject matter um, on Sunday as well. All right, thank you so much, Jim. And love you, bro. And shine your beautiful, luminous self. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Look at that. That's yummy, yummy, Bill. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Be well, my friend. Bye-bye.